it's time for Dodger Baseball. We shall never stop reading the tea leaves because, goddammit, we have nothing else to do. We're going to start off there. This is Swing Shift with Ryan and Bo. My name is Ryan Bershinger. He is Bo Benson. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at SwingShiftRNB. We're your favorite radio professionals with a very amateur podcast. Now, uh, Bo, I think last time we uh, we accidentally stumbled into, I think, what is going to make for a great segment on this podcast, and that is... Um, Let's take a, a very tiny bit of information that may or may not have to do with Freddie Freeman and completely overreact about it mm-hmm. and 100%. assume that it means it's coming to the Dodgers. Yeah, no, I uh, I have I have people on the lookout at various restaurants around Malibu. Um, so I will know as soon as Freddie Freeman lands in Los Angeles to sign <laughs> his contract that isn't valid until the lockout ends. Oh, uh, yes. Um, so <laughs> earlier today, a, an article for the athletic came out, um, where Brian Snicker was interviewed for the athletic and he was quoted as saying, quote, do I want Freddie back? Absolutely. Why wouldn't I, but it may not happen. It's the way the business is now. Is this a very rational level-headed, um, business response that any manager would be making, especially at a time where major league baseball doesn't exist? Sure. Of course, you know whatever fine but we're we have a podcast so what what the fuck why why not um let's just overreact. And not, and not anybody can have a podcast a lot of exactly. people don't know this but it takes <laughs> it takes a lot uh i think isn't that kind of like the first time anybody from atlanta has kind of publicly acknowledged that it's not just a foregone conclusion yeah yeah i i i, I think so i don't know uh, we can pretend like we're super tuned into Atlanta media, but yeah, uh, we, no, we uh, need a Braves. Uh, <laughs> we need a Braves level guest. <laughs> um, no, I mean, look, last time it was the Matt Olson and Braves trade rumors that were much more than, than due diligence. According to Ken Rosenthal, this time it's now Brian Snicker saying, look, I know the way <laughs> the business is. Uh, obviously we want to have Freddie Freeman back, but you know, if he doesn't come back, he doesn't come back. And I think that there, there is a slight bit of, uh, of uh, a, a kernel there to, to really overreact to and say, look, it is not a foregone conclusion that Freddie Freeman is going back to Atlanta. So um, he will come to the Dodgers then, because why, why would he go anywhere else? Every yeah. other team has, 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 a, has, has a future Hall of Fame first baseman. Uh, so only the Dodgers make sense, of course. Yeah, no, it uh, it's for it's a foregone conclusion, man. I'm telling you, um, Freddie Freeman's going to be a Dodger. So will Carlos Correa, uh, Kershaw, Rodon. Um, the lockout has really changed ownership's views on uh, money and how to spend it. So uh, they're really just going to sign everybody. Why not? You know. Yeah, I mean, who cares? <laughs> The the what what the lockout negotiations have shown us is that the owners are very willing to spend money. That's true. Um, so as soon as that thing ends, I expect just uh, like a, tor- a a torrent of contracts and money being handed out. <laughs> um, as a as a as an aside, in that article, I skimmed through it, where uh, for Brian Snitker's interview, he was asked. Um, you know, Marcelo Zuna has served a suspension. Uh, are you going to hesitate and all and bring him back to the team? And he's like, no, 
<laughs> so look, he he did his time. Uh, he's a member of the team. He's he's, he's going to play. You seen the way that guy can hit a ball? <laughs> he, he he and honestly, he more or less said, "Yeah, people have done worse." <laughs> so <laughs> no, that's facts. Yeah, I mean, OJ. People forget that OJ Simpson's best years came after he murdered two people. <laughs> I, he, he, right. You know, he's, he's not wrong. Uh, Look, people have done worse things. So I guess you, why not bring him you back? See, you saw the reporter that reached out to somebody for a story on, uh, on medicinal or the, the use of marijuana is, uh, in sports and pain management. And they were reaching out to see if they had contact info for junior Seo. Oh <laughs> yeah. Cause they, yeah. they wanted a, uh, yeah, that's, uh, Oh man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I kept wondering why Aaron Hernandez hadn't commented on Tom Brady's retirement, but uh, oh, oopsie daisy. That's my fault for not using Google, everybody. Hey, man, in fairness, he covers basketball. Basketball and football are two completely different things. So yeah. no. how would he know? Yeah. <laughs> how would he know? Oh, geez. Um, so as you mentioned, uh, we have, of course, the lockout is still uh, full on, uh, full blown lockout um, since the last episode in which there was a brief moment where like things got, quote unquote, better in negotiations because uh, there was at least numbers being thrown around and a, a very slight sort of effort on both sides to move towards each other in, in a way Um how has that gone since? Well, <laughs> the most the most recent report is uh, after today's meetings, um, in which Major League Baseball promised that they would come in today and make an offer of some sorts. In some regard, they apparently did not, <laughs> and uh, the two sides are so mad at each other right now that they they need to uh, bring in a mediator into the process, um, which is which is always a really good sign. That's what mature adults do. And that's what people who definitely want to, you know, have the sport actually happen. That's the thing that people want to do. So, um, yeah, I mean, what do you expect when literally Dick Monfort is like one of the people negotiating, right? Like, what are we supposed to do about this? Yeah, I mean, we're just kind of at the will of all these mega rich owners. Um. I, I I remember at the beginning of the lockout that I said that we wouldn't miss games. Um, I would like to revise that. I think we're going to miss <laughs> we're going to miss some games here. Um, at the very least, there's no spring training, which means those early games might as well not count because no one's going to play because they don't want to get hurt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, ownership is uh, they're like they're just so far gone. It's it's depressing. We're in a position right now where <laughs> Ken Rosenthal wrote a, an article for The Athletic earlier on in the week where I, I want to bring this point up because this really uh, this really shines light on exactly the point that we've been making about why it's ridiculous that owners are being uh, so uptight with their numbers. Um, and this is straight out of Rosenthal's article with The Athletic. The acceleration of talks is hardly out of out of the question in labor negotiation. It's always darkest before the dawn. So which I thought was the other day when they came in and left angry at each other. I thought that was the darkest <laughs> point <laughs> today. Uh, you have MLB not even 
making an offer and then instead demanding for uh, a, a grown up to come into the room and and uh, settle things for them. Which um, like they just want somebody to blame for missing games. Right. Like they, right. they want to say like, yeah, we brought a mediator and we still couldn't get it done. So to deflect. it's their fault. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Scott Boris, the game's most prominent agent, said the players are dug in not only because their salaries are declining, but also because franchise values, even as profits have fallen during the COVID-19 pandemic, continue to soar. Since 2002, all four of the major U.S. sports leagues have performed better than the S&P 500 companies on the stock market, according to PitchBook. The return of, on MLB franchises was 669% above the NFL's 558% and exceeded only by the NBA's 1,057%. Um, and yeah, I don't know what the number is for the NHL, but even the NHL apparently is, is a more uh, a stronger investment than any stock on the S&P 500. So to give you an idea, again, the players are more than aware that yes, sure, Profits went down in 2020 because of the pandemic, because it was a shorter season, because people weren't in the stands. Yeah, no duh. Every everybody lost money during the pandemic. That's just how a pandemic works, unless you're, you know, Pfizer or Moderna. Um, uh, <laughs> Jeff Bezos, <laughs> or you know, yeah, Elon literally Musk, the richest uh, people yeah, in the world. People. Um, Bill Gates with his microchips. Yeah. <laughs> but yet, despite that still pure franchise value which is really what owners care about because when you're purchasing a major league team when you're purchasing a sports franchise it's kind of like purchasing a house right like it's an investment and it's putting your money into something and then allowing that to grow and then eventually you're going to sell it and because of the growth you're going to make money off of it so um that's where we're at in which you have <laughs> far and away the worst in the majors, Dick Monfort being in the room uh, negotiating on behalf of, of Major League Baseball, which I would love, hopefully, for one of the players to just look at Monfort and go, Dick, uh, name half of the players you've got in the Nolan Arenado trade. <laughs> name half of them. Uh, and he'll go, uh, Name uh, one. <laughs> uh, name Nolan Arenado. How about that? <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, look, there, there's still specific things. There's, uh, they're, they're debating over, they're very far apart in terms of, um, a bonus pool for players with two years of experience. Um, very far apart on arbitration, all that stuff. The point is, is that they're so far apart that they need somebody to come stand in the Canyon that they've created between the two sides and somehow try to build a bridge which um, when it's that far apart, I don't know how you construct a bridge between two sides, but good luck to whoever the hell that's going to be. Yeah, well, um, the good news is that uh, Jackass Forever has a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, so there is some good in the world. Because hey. um, <laughs> my, my patience for baseball talk is about there. Uh, these guys are just being dicks at this point. I think the frustrating thing is that like both of us know uh, that ownership is not going to eat the blame for this, even though it is directly their fault. Like they're, they're the ones that locked them out early when they didn't need to do that. Mm -hmm. 
they're the ones that refuse to negotiate in good faith. But people that watch sports are just so. It, I have to wonder, like, if if player salaries weren't made public, like, would would the public uh, would the public blame them still for something like this? Or like, would they see it for like, you know, the billionaire owners are intentionally fucking over these players? You, you see, that's <laughs> I, I think you're kind of hitting the nail on the head. I think anybody who sees the players in a negative light is strictly thinking about the fact that they see, you know, Corey Seager signing for 325 million. And yeah. They see gigantic contracts and they go, well, that's a lot of money. Yes, of, of course it is. Of course it is. Billions of dollars is uh, astronomically more so but you know uh god forbid somebody lets people know that the owners are billionaires um yeah it's it's a rather ugly situation um and we still try to find uh, different things in baseball to talk about um you know such as slight kernels of information that might indicate that freddie freeman would would uh, join. I literally, I thought about what the Dodgers lineup would look like with Freddie Freeman in it. And I got <laughs> way too excited. And I'm like, I need to stop doing this because I know I'm setting myself up for disappointment because then yeah, just the Yankees are going to give them 300 million. And then be <laughs> like, damn it. All right. Yeah. Fine. Or it's just, you know, baseball never plays again. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the other thing. Either, which, it's either one of those, which if the Yankees are going to sign him, then I guess that's preferable. <laughs> I'd rather just baseball never existed again, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the point. I'm good. Um, let's let's also uh, freak out over a tiny bit of kernel of information that might have to do with the Dodgers. Um, so as we've talked about multiple times in the past on, on this podcast, um, there's a we don't know what the Dodgers are going to have to do at shortstop moving forward without Corey Seager. And of course we say that knowing full and well that they currently have Trey Turner who's one of the best players in baseball. Uh, Turner has only one left one year left on his deal and it's been heavily rumored. And, and we've talked about it before on this podcast that uh, Trey wouldn't consider signing long-term with the Dodgers or any team that's not on the East coast really. So a few days ago, um, Fabian Ardaya did his, uh, his, his mailbag article for the athletic. And I just want it to be known. I have an athletic subscription. All right. So it's fine that I just read excerpts <laughs> from the athletic. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I have the athletic too. So it's, uh, it is, it is a good publication with a bunch of people who do very good work. And quite frankly, when I click on Ardaya's article one time, he gets more money from my click than Bo and I have ever gotten for this podcast. So <laughs> it is totally fine that we just straight up plagiarize his work here. So um, in, in the article, Ardaya is straight up asked uh, by Paul F. Have you heard, have you ever heard Trey Turner or his agents say he'd only consider signing with the team on the East Coast? Is this just something Turner said once that somehow became uh, rumor gospel? Uh, assuming money is not the issue, do you think Turner would consider staying in LA or is he returning to East Coast no matter what? So Ardaya, to not just, you know, lift his entire article and put it into this podcast, I will sum it up by basically saying that Ardaya said, no, uh, Trey Turner and his agent have not said publicly that he'd only consider signing with an East Coast team. Uh, of course, as he points out, that it, that wouldn't be a smart thing for an agent to say because you're eliminating a gigantic part of the market, thereby eliminating competition when you hit free agency. But um, he said, for what it's worth, it's not something that has been expressed to me privately when I've asked about Turner either. 
which isn't to say it is or isn't true. It very well could be. And location isn't uh, unimportant to most free agents, but other factors matter more. Um, when I wrote about Turner last fall, I asked him directly what is important to him when it comes to considering an ex- a contract extension and how he feels about the prospect of staying in Los Angeles long, long term. And he didn't rule it out. And Turner told Ardaya back in September, for me, actions speak louder than words. I'm not going to worry about anything like an extension until there's something in front of me. I think this is a great franchise being on a team, part of a franchise that wants to win not only this year, but for a long time is very valuable and a lot of fun. I don't know if that will happen or won't happen. Like I said, I'm not going to waste my energy on guessing. So um, the thoughts here is that I do find it interesting that Ardaya, who covers the Dodgers for the athletic has not heard directly from Turner, from anyone really that uh, he specifically wants to go back to the East coast, that he wouldn't rule out an extension with the Dodgers. So I think that the more important thing that comes into play as to whether or not Turner gets an extension with the Dodgers is the, is the fact that there's nobody on the free agent market next year. Yeah. And so I, I think that even if he does want to stay with the Dodgers, he's not going to entertain any sort of extension offers. He's only, that will only happen if the Dodgers try to sign him when he hits free agency, because he could get, more than like like 350 360 like they honestly because of the fact that there's no competition that he has next offseason because salaries are going to go up assuming that eventually the owners and players come to some sort of an agreement and the, the league does come back and things kind of happen the way they should happen for players um you're looking at something the highest contract a shortstop will ever did will probably be trey turner next offseason <laughs> Uh, well, so, that's good. That's yeah. good. Um, but I do find it interesting that uh, at least other people are kind of asking about that because I, I still hadn't seen a, a whole lot mentioned in terms of, uh, of, of his preference to stay on the East Coast. But it is good to know that people are kind of saying, look, that, that, that could be uh, that could be compromised with. <laughs> right <laughs> like the turn it, it might not be an end-all be-all for him like there is a possibility that he could actually stay with the Dodgers and again that could just be posturing by his agent because it's not good to rule out teams especially the richest team in the league uh when you're trying to get paid yeah it's just <clears throat> I don't know it just goes back to the whole like how screwed they are because now like yeah Trey Turner has them in a vice yeah. Like they either give him what he wants or he bolts. Um, and if they're smart, they would just say, Hey, uh, we'll give you $400 million to sign with us right now. Right. Uh, but they won't do that because they're going to gamble and see like if somebody else comes in at, you know, 325 and they can go 350. But mm-hmm. they're just in a, <laughs> it's a shitty spot for them. Yeah. It's really shitty, but I think they kind of did it to themselves. So um, it is what it is at this point. Can only wait and see. Did uh, did you see there was kind of it wasn't there was an article about I think it was a Dodgers mailbag with ESPN. Um, I think it was Alton Gonzalez, but I'm not positive who uh, who wrote this article. But there was I think there was an an error in transcription in which it kind of got pushed out to Twitter as like, the Dodgers might consider 
trading Justin Turner for prospects. And I think it's because it only said Turner and people just forgot that there's two people named Turner on the team. (laughs) Because um, you you and I have talked about the, the, the thought of, well, I mean, we, we, we talked about it with Seager last off season and that same sort of logic applies to this off season, where if you're not going to retain Trey Turner long-term, it's not a terrible idea to to explore the thought of of trading him for for prospects i still wouldn't do it because i think that um especially with seager gone um a, when you have mookie bets and trey turner for the entire season at the top of the lineup that's going to be insane and um you're trying to win right now but uh i <laughs> thought it was really interesting that that article kind of spread around as people saying like no you can't trade justin turner like no that's yeah. There's two people on the team name. Yeah, it, no. it didn't specify which one it was. <laughs> <laughs> like, also, who's going to trade prospects for Justin Turner? Like it, the Mets. <laughs> the Mets might. Just to exercise their demons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last little uh, quick hit here before we we move into. Uh, the fact that we we recorded an episode like the day before the Hall of Fame announcements came out, which, you know, you might think, Ryan, like you guys, uh, you guys do a baseball podcast. Why would you why would you record right before <laughs> the only baseball news you're going to get for months? Because nobody cares. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh because damn it we work on our time all right we don't we don't yeah, work no. on the time of the world mlb Ooh, network did like a, a wall-to-wall coverage 12 hours yeah. with some of the best baseball minds working and it was to announce david ortiz as the only hall of famer this year <laughs> like, i'm sorry but nobody cares um a lot of prospect rankings have been coming out oh man do we love prospect rankings um uh because uh, this episode is apparently sponsored by the athletic uh keith law uh put away settlers of Catan for a little bit so he could release his uh top 100 and he has diego cartaya number 13 he also mentions in his blurb that cartaya quote has number one overall prospect potential which uh Bo, how old is Diego Cartaya? Why are you asking me? I don't know. He's like is he like 18, 17? <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I I I you went the opposite way. Hold I on. would have guessed like 22, 23 just because he's 20 years like old. We've, we've I knew heard that. about him for years. <laughs> yeah, he's 20. I told he, you. 20 sounds super young still for because I feel like we've we've been talking about him for like three years. So um damn, that's amazing. Uh, but yeah, he, uh, he hit, he hit incredibly well last year. Um, he, uh, he played a little bit in low a before he had a hamstring tra- strain and, uh, but in low a, he was hitting 298, 409, 614, which is, oh my God. Uh, Bobby Miller comes in at number 50 for Keith law. He was, uh, his first time in his, in his rankings. Cause he was drafted into 2020, um, number 53 as Michael Bush. Uh, who was previously 74. Michael Bush is 24 years old, left-handed bad, plays second base. And he mentions that uh, his glove is well enough to stay at second base. Um, the only problem is is Bush did struggle against lefties. Uh, he spent all of 2021 in double A, uh, and he slashed a 267, 386, 484 line, but he did against lefties hit 198, 355, 354. So uh, might, you know, at least for, a while 
maybe a, a platoon bat at second base, but he, he mentions that he likes Bush well enough to, he has a chance to be an all-star. He straight up says that, that Bush has that, that level of ability and at second base is really nice. Uh, Miguel Vargas is a guy we've seen uh, shoot up rankings over the last year because of how well he played in, in the minors last year. He's number 62 for Keith law, 22 year old third baseman, his overall professional line uh, throughout the minors He's hitting 316, 384, 480. It's he's he's very consistent, very strong right-handed hitter, still coming into his power. Um, I believe he was minor league player of the year last year, too. Um, uh, so number 76 is uh Angels outfielder Andy Pajes, who is uh who is still only 21 years old. Um he played a bit in the Pioneer League and then moved up to high A. Last year, hit 265, 394, 539. Um, he's got also an 80 arm that serves him well in right field. Eddie's Leonard cracking the top 100. He's now number 98. He's a shortstop, and he he, he played so well last season that he's, he's shot up rankings. Um, well, see, uh, when Trey Turner leaves, they got their, they got their shortstop <laughs> of the future. Exactly. He is on the 40-man, too, because... Uh, because he he, he uh, skyrocketed in value. He's only 21 years old, and he made the 40 man in November. Uh, he in in single A last year, both levels combined, he had 297, 390, 539. Um, he uh, he could stay at short, but um, he's not the best defender at shortstop. So he uh, he's an above average runner, and center field might be a better option, is what Keith Law mentions, and. Lastly here, Ryan Pepio was on his list of people who were just outside of the top 100. And he mentions that Pepio has an 80 grade changeup. That's one of the best pitches in baseball right now uh, in terms of uh, uh, best changeups in baseball. Uh, but at the moment, he uh, he profiles not more as a reliever long term. But uh, he, he probably right now could be in the bullpen for the Dodgers at the moment um, in triple A. He only got through five innings twice in 11 starts. So his, his length is still very much being worked on, but um, his changeup is so strong that they're hoping that he translates well to a starting role eventually soon enough. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we see Pepio in the bullpen by the end of the season, which is interesting because Dustin may provided an update in the last couple of days in terms of his progress. Um, and Dustin may might end up being in the bullpen by the end of the season, just because of the, at the rate that he's going to be recovering at. So if they solidify the starting rotation and by the end of the season, if uh, Blake Trinan is still dealing, um, you know, if he hasn't been uh, <laughs> uh, detained by, <laughs> by the FBI at that point, um, uh, if, uh, if Bruce Star Gratterall is developing into a closer type pitcher that, that we've wanted to see from him, um, if, if Pepio is developing well and is in that, that back end of the bullpen by then, if Daniel Hudson, who I think will be a, a serviceable arm for the pen, um, Victor Gonzalez, who apparently is, is losing a good amount of weight. I know because, uh, because we don't have spring training going on, we're not getting reports of people in the best shape of their life. So let me be the first one to do it. I think Victor Gonzalez might be in the best shape of his life only because I heard that he lost like 30 pounds or something. Nice. Um, and if he, uh, if he actually becomes a solid uh, middle reliever again, that would be a very nice piece to add. <laughs> um, 
yeah, so I, there's a lot of really good options, actually, for the Dodger bullpen internally right now. And, of course, with Caleb Ferguson and Tommy Conley coming back, um, uh, a, a lot of uh, a lot of promise there when, you know, we're watching Kenley close games for the Phillies. So hmm. um, any any hashtag prospect thoughts? <laughs> none. I no. have none. Again, <laughs> I, my brain only has so much room for information right now. And uh, it's not using it's not using it to store prospects. You keep saying end of the season. Uh, August could be the start of the season. That's true. For all we know. So, That's right. Uh, so maybe we will get a full season out of Dustin. Yeah, we, nice. it's very possible. It's very possible. <laughs> um, OK. The Hall of Fame uh, announcements voting came down and David Ortiz was elected to the Hall of Fame in his first time in his first time on the ballot Barry Bonds Roger Clemens miss in their final times on the ballot um Kurt Schilling falls short because uh, a handful of people decided to not vote for him anymore because of his request for them to not vote for him anymore <laughs> in which he he said that the Baseball Writers Association of America all didn't know what they were doing that they were idiots and that he would rather be voted in by the by the real people who actually know baseball the Veterans Committee which, um, interestingly enough, is far from the worst thing that Kurt Schilling has ever said about journalists. So, um, but David Ortiz gets in, despite the fact that uh, early on in his career, there was a report of a positive PED test in 2003. He denied it to his grave. Uh, he's not dead. He's still alive. Which, of course, uh, I guess he would be the only person on the ballot who is alleged to have used PEDs, right? Like, that would make... No, hold on. Uh, so... Uh, what were your thoughts about the Hall of Fame election? <laughs> David Ortiz, first ballot Hall of Famer, is so stupid sounding. Yeah. It sounds so dumb. Uh, personally, I think we've said it multiple times that I think Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, what I don't get is like the people going on Twitter and crying about Bonds not making it. Like you knew he wasn't going to get in. Right. Like, how long do you stay on the ballot for? It's like 10 years, right? 10 years. Yeah. If it took that long, like, attitudes haven't changed enough. So he's not going to get in. So, like, you can't pretend to be surprised. And it's just weird. Like, just say, yeah, I think Bond should be in, but he didn't get in. So it is what it is. And there are going to be people that don't think he belongs in there. And they're probably right, too. Um, But I just, it. <laughs> If Barry Bonds had just been nicer to the media, yeah, he's probably in the Hall of Fame. Right. That's the that's the thing that nobody wants to talk about. Because as much as I like David Ortiz, again, I don't think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Not while some of these other guys that haven't gotten on haven't made it yet. Like, what are we doing? And all it like is a Rod going to get into the Hall of Fame then? Cause he's really chummy with the media and he has media appearances and he owns the Timberwolves and he's a huge green Bay Packers fan. Like, I don't know. The baseball hall of fame is just so full of itself and just, it's just the hardest one to really care about. I think partly because there can be years where nobody gets in. I think that's really lame. Yeah. At least be like the NFL where it's like, yeah, there's at least five people that are going to go in this year. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's just odd. I think um, my biggest issue is the fact that, yeah, as you mentioned, and a lot of people pointed out, 
there doesn't seem to be any sort of consistent line of thinking that says that David Ortiz is a Hall of Famer, um, despite his <laughs> the allegations of PED use and Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens. You can bring in Sammy Sosa and Gary Sheffield. Um, a Rod is kind of his own thing, only because he was uh, suspended and and multiple times <laughs> for a whole lot um, with all the different PED stuff. But um, the fact is, is like, I, I, I don't know how you come to the line of thinking where you're like these guys, uh, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. Yeah, they probably did use performance enhancing drugs, but uh, I'm not going to vote them in despite the fact that they had really like two separate hall of fame careers in their span of their one career uh, given, you know, the first half of their careers alone were hall of fame careers. And then the second half where um, they were probably artificially enhanced were also uh, hall of fame careers in their own right. So on the other hand, you have David Ortiz getting in who definitely <laughs> like, I, I mean, he was horrible when he was a member of the Minnesota twins. He got released because he, he couldn't, he couldn't hit. He was a designated hitter who could not hit. Um, this is a man who could not play the field and goes to the Red Sox did have allegations that he tested positive in 2003 for performance and answers. And then insisted that uh, that was simply just the New York media trying to get on his, his ass because uh, you know, they didn't like him. Um uh. And uh, and Rob Manfred later said, ah, yeah, no, that wasn't that wasn't real. We like David Ortiz. He wouldn't he wouldn't do that kind of thing. You know, <laughs> he's, he's not that kind of guy. Um, and so he gets voted in strictly because he's more likable than the other guys. It's that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, no, 100 um, percent. And that is <laughs> it's like, again, I think if you're a Hall of Fame voter and you want to take a stance against PED use, then fine you do you i think there's a lot of other things though that you could like if you don't want to vote for bonds you could invoke the character clause like like there yeah. are he has multiple allegations of domestic abuse from early on in his career like like there's he also like was charged with perjury like he lied to a grand jury and had his trainer go to prison on his behalf in essence so um you if you don't want to vote for Barry Bonds that's fine you can you can use the character clause there you don't have to say well it's it's because he definitely was on steroids i i i'm just assuming that he was on steroids um fine you can say that just don't vote for david ortiz then that, that doesn't make any sense and on the flip side you know friend of the show rob parker we do have to bring up his hall of fame ballot because he does he voted for bonds and clemens as he did for the entire time that they were on the ballot he voted for sammy sosa he voted for gary sheffield uh he did not vote for david ortiz <laughs> because he says uh he, he says it was so obvious that he used uh, performance enhancing drugs early on in his career that's the whole reason why he was successful to which then people on MLB network pointed out, why do you vote for Sammy Sosa then? And, you know, it is what it is. So <laughs> so you get all different kinds when it comes to people voting in the hall of fame. It's, it's, I don't know. It's interesting, but as, as you've mentioned, like the, the biggest issue is, is the lack of consistency here. If I, I'm fine with David Ortiz being in the Hall of Fame. He does have over 500 homers. He did hit incredibly well in the postseason in his career. He has a couple World Series rings. Um, he has credentials, and that's, that's totally fine. There's a lot of other guys on the ballot who also have credentials. 
and have also been alleged to have used performance and answers. There's guys that we already voted in. <laughs> okay. Mike Piazza, uh, Jeff Bagwell, Yvonne Rodriguez, all of these guys have had allegations against them. Yvonne Rodriguez, when, uh, when he, he was named in um, Canseco's book. And then the following season, after that book came out, he dropped like 40 pounds <laughs> because, like, <laughs> because people were like, oh, Pudge, were you on steroids? Oh, no. And then like, it's, uh, suddenly he lost a bunch of weight. Really odd how that happened. Um, Strange. So, yeah, I, I think that that's the big issue. It's just there's there's really no sort of consistency at this point. And now that bonds and Clemens have fallen off, people think that I don't, I don't think the veterans committee is going to vote these guys in either. I, I think that they've, they've missed their opportunity and it's fine. It, it is what it is. You know, Kurt can, Kurt Schilling can go in on his own with the veterans committee. Uh, uh, <laughs> bonds and Clemens don't get in with them. I don't think Schilling's going to either. No, 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 no. Unless no. they're, they're all a bunch of dudes who wear like, you know, I uh, wear those shirts that say uh, I, I stand for the flag and kneel for the cross. <laughs> Just, um... The only good journalist is a dead <laughs> journalist. Um, it could be worse, though. You know, I mean, uh, Barry Bonds could have uh, uh, set his wife on fire and killed her. <laughs> hey, hey, allegedly. <laughs> that's my favorite that that's that's the best like like <laughs> reckless allegation that i've ever seen <laughs> like if you want to this is of course because ben verlander uh you know tweeted last week ben verlander who is um i'm fairly certain a twitter robot uh in disguise as a human um he he uh he tweeted last week he's like yeah you know barry bonds can't get in for performance enhancing drugs but Babe Ruth burned his wife, or what he say? Babe Ruth uh, set his wife on set his fire. wife on fire, or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he's in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> it's like, and then somebody in the re- replies were like, "Where'd you hear this?" And he's like, "Ah, it's a theory." <laughs> I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding me, man? Like, you can't, you can't just like throw that out there." And then as a as a as a sub note <laughs> along the way, go, "Ah, it's a theory. I don't know. I wasn't there. It was in the twenties. Who knows?" <laughs> <laughs> um, could have happened um like if you if you want to say like there's shitty dudes in the hall of fame already then just you know bring up ty cobb that's all you have to do that's all you ever have to do is if you're trying to question the integrity of the hall of fame all you ever have to do is bring up ty cobb who did like every bad thing a person could do but you know <laughs> whatever oh, sure babe Ruth maybe <laughs> set his wife on fire by the way, the the more the that story comes from a myth that um, I don't know. It could be it could be accurate. Uh, it, Babe Ruth's wife died in a house fire, and it was ruled that the house fire started uh, from a cigarette. And Babe Ruth did remarry pretty quickly after that. So yeah, yeah. but that was back in the day where you just had to like give somebody a donkey, and they gave you their daughter, <laughs> like. I don't know. I... Um, so yeah, whatever. I don't know. Uh, look, uh, maybe maybe Scott Rowland will eventually get the votes. <laughs> maybe Todd Elton will get some damn respect out here. Uh... You know, the the new one is is Jimmy Rollins. Jimmy Rollins. They're, they're starting to they're starting to get a ball rolling for you know maybe actually Jimmy Rollins is a Hall of Famer. I'm good with it. I'm fine with it. 
he won't wear a Dodger hat, but damn it, he should. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, no. All right. Put him and Chase Utley in. Ryan yeah. Howard got some votes. Somebody voted for Jonathan Papelbon. Hell yeah. Probably the, it's probably someone that liked the time he punched Bryce Harper or something like that. <laughs> Hall of Fame moment. That's always my favorite thing is seeing like the random people at the bottom that would get like a vote or two. Like David Eckstein got a vote one time. <laughs> you know, like people like that. And I'm like, what, what, what guided someone to do this? Like, why did they do this? Honestly. Uh, it's so good. It's just horrible. Um, all right. We're going to wrap up this show here. Again, we're a top 10 Dodger podcast. Look at like, just a really. The previous 20 minutes, just say everything you need to know. <laughs> the Los Angeles Rams are in the Super Bowl, which uh, I'm jumping. I'm jumping on. You, you and I have talked about this. Yeah. I'm jumping on the quote unquote bandwagon. But when There's it's when it's a no team in thing. your city, you can, yeah. it's fine. No such Good thing. for the city. No such thing. Uh, Tom Brady retired. Uh, Good riddance. Go kiss your son <laughs> on the mouth. I don't care. Um, I, I'll do my, uh, official pick is that the Rams have to win this game. <laughs> There's yeah. no way. There's no way they can lose this game. There's no, no way. And as good as Joe Burrow is, I think the world of Joe Burrow, um, if you're picking the Bengals because Joe Burrow just has it or like the Bengals just have moxie or something like that. <laughs> I ask you to look at the Rams beating the Cardinals who everybody picked beating the Buccaneers and Tom Brady who had an MVP season. Like, even though he retired, he legitimately could probably make it. You could probably make a case for him to be the MVP. They beat him on the road and then they beat the 49ers who had beaten them six times in a row. So I don't know why the Rams don't have it or Moxie, but the Bengals who uh, needed a touchdown that really shouldn't have been a touchdown a last second interception f- thrown by Derek Carr. Was it three or four times they picked off Tannehill? I think it was three. I think so. Three or four p- interceptions off Tannehill. And the Titans still had nine sacks for them to escape Tennessee with a three point win. And then a 21 to three lead that the Chiefs had to blow for the Bengals again to have a walk off field goal win in overtime in Kansas City. So I. Again, and I think of the, the world of the Bengals and Joe Burrow. They just feel so lucky to be at this point. And you've got guys going on, like, pardon my take and being like, we're going to do this for Harambe. <laughs> like, the Rams have to win this game. The, there's too many things in their favor, apart from, I think, just being the better team. Uh, so I, I will pick the Rams. But also, I fully expect them to punch me right in the dick on Super Bowl Sunday. So that's uh, that's my reasoning. No, I agree. I think the Rams should win this and they should win it easily. But, you know, it, the, the teams who are supposed to have won easily over the postseason hasn't really yeah, happened. The The Rams <laughs> never blow anybody out either. Right. Like they never do. <laughs> That's probably because uh, Sean McVay plays a little conservatively once no. they have a good lead. Um, uh, no, they, they should because the Bengals have been rather fortunate. They, they had no business winning last. I mean, they played very well on defense in the second half and they, they were able to salvage it that way, but, um, they shouldn't have beat that, that chiefs team. That, that was just a collapse. Like, yeah, you can't, <laughs> that was bad. There's, you can't count on coming back from a 21 to three deficit and, uh, Ben Baldwin, who does a lot of statistics analysis, 
he mentioned that a lot of their turnovers that they generate are just off deflections, which is very lucky. And I hate to use that term, although I really don't because I, I say it a lot. But, you know, it's just there's a lot of luck. Uh, the Rams were lucky that Jaquiski Tart dropped that interception, although I don't think it changes the outcome of the game one way or the other. Just as the 49ers were, were very lucky that uh, Cooper Cup and Ben Speronic both dropped touchdowns. So, I mean, luck is just part of the game, and the, the Bengals have been riding a lot of luck to where they are. But, yeah, again, I, just, I don't know. If the Rams don't win this one, it's like the, it's like the Dodgers in 2020. Like, if they don't win this one, I don't know when they're going to win because everything is yeah. in their favor. Right. They're at home. They don't have to travel. They get to sleep in their own beds. They've, it's a tailor-made matchup for Aaron Donald and Von Miller to have a really good time. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just – yeah, I would be shocked. I mean, I won't really be shocked, but I would be, I would be surprised if they don't win this football game. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I, um, and we're, we're pumping this episode out this week because, uh, Bo and I are going to be very busy next week. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the Super Bowl is also the Super Bowl for people who work in, in sports media. So, um, yeah, I mean, pretty, the, you'd have to go back to, I would say their two blowouts this year are against the Jaguars, which, okay, and the <laughs> Texans. <laughs> the Jaguars, the Texans, and the Giants. Those are the teams that they blew out this season. Uh. And maybe, I mean, you know, the Buccaneers game, the first Buccaneers game, that was kind of a big win. And they were, yeah, that was a, that was a bigger game than I think uh, the final score says. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I would love for this game to go the way of like the, uh, the Buccaneers Raiders Super Bowl, or maybe that, seahawks broncos game right that would be nice be good for the city and hopefully if the if they win we should probably just have a dodgers lakers rams parade right 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 just a, a celebration of los angeles yes just be that ideal would, <laughs> no pressure guys no pressure that'd be good yes because that would be that would be a rather good excuse to actually have a bit of a parade for the 2020 Dodgers is if you just have them show up to the Rams parade and then at one point and be like, Hey, look, they won in 2020. Remember that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, here you go. All right, cool. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Corey Seager will not be in attendance, which is yeah. Sadly. (laughs) All right. Um, All right. Well, yeah, next week. uh, I, I mean, I'm not saying this to rub this in Bo's face, but I, I, I am very excited. <laughs> I will be at radio row, um, at, uh, and at the LA convention center, um, for, for the super bowl. And, um, if, uh, if catastrophe strikes, Bo will also be there. <laughs> yeah, no, I will not, uh, I will be saying no to that, to that, any of, any of that. I'm good. Uh, so if the world needs, uh, someone to cover the super bowl, Hey, look, I'm right in the thick of it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, come on. I'm gonna it's have, like Reno you know, 911. All of the best journalists in football get trapped in the LA Convention Center. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. This guy's filling in as a producer. So maybe we can get him on. <laughs> See what he thinks. Uh, God. All right. Well, um, yes, the Super Bowl comes to Los Angeles with the Los Angeles team. Uh, Los Angeles continues to control the world. <laughs> we are... I mean, it's just, it's facts. Uh, I just would love for this to be like our Boston run where we just yeah. win titles in like four That'd different nice. sports. That'd be nice. 
it's right. all part of the the liberal Hollywood agenda. Exactly. You can't get too excited about it. That's, exactly. <laughs> it's all, all predetermined by the movie studios and everything. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> so um, until next time, uh, we'll see you after the Super Bowl, where hopefully we have another champion in the city of Los Angeles. God willing. Please. <laughs> please, for the love of God. Please just win. Uh, all right. Well, fuck you, Don Wooten. As always, thank you to the house band Ass Life. This is Swing Shift. My name is Ryan Dershinger. He is Bill Benson. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Swing Shift RNB. Ram it all day, ram it all night. <laughs> uh, good night, everybody.